Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week we're in chambers clearing the docket. Hi, Judge Hodgman. We are so in chambers. We're in we're in this the inner inner chambers. We're in the secret room of chambers. We're in the seventeenth chamber. How many chambers <laughs> are there? Seventeen. Okay, good. Until until I mine a new one. This is this is the the inner inner most secret chamber of chambers. Do you remember when the Upright Citizens Brigade on their TV show? lived in the chamber that turned out to be next door to the Wu-Tang Clan's chamber. And then one time, one or the other of them was doing an addition. And then the Wu-Tang Clan piled into the UCB set. It was great. Uh, a neighboring chamber. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a fun show. Hey, I'd like to be I'd like to be the wacky neighbor in the neighboring chamber in the Wu-Tang Clan sitcom. Yeah, that would be fantastic. What are you guys doing over here anyway? They probably got the, uh, they probably got the killer bees to do that, though. I'm over here in the 18th chamber, just trying to watch my stories. Just hanging out with these French Wu-Tang Clan affiliates. Uh, dear Mr. Hodgman, I got, a, I got a letter here dated December 18th. I opened it this year, though, because I'm slow. University of California Davis letterhead. Dear Mr. Hodgman, Dr. Mimi Vichute. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. From Pleasant Valley Veterinary Center recently made a financial donation to the Companion Animal Memorial Fund in memory of Petey. That's my cat who died. Isn't that nice? That's very nice. He didn't die so much as I made him dead with poison (laughs) because he was very old and failing. Having shared much of my life with companion animals and having spent many years caring for those of other people, I wish to express my deepest sympathy to you for your loss. I can only imagine that this this, this was forwarded to me by your offices out there in uh, uh, Los Angeles, a.k.a. Max Funland. And it's signed, uh, Michael S. Kent, director. If I have questions about the program, I may feel free to check the center's website at www.vetmed.ucdavis.edu forward slash C-C-A-H. And I, and I buzz market that uh, for those out there who have companion animals uh, of any kind. Uh, and I'm and I'm well, not any kind, like not spouses, but you know, low. I don't want to say I don't want to be animalist. Low, you know, cats and dogs and birds and snakes and fish, not humans, not human animals that you that you have married, and uh, and and you're going to make them dead with poison, or you have to because they're going, or you're going to euthanize them because they're very old or ill. It's a hard thing to do, and and maybe maybe this program uh, uh, can can help you. The, the the fund supports studies into many different problems confronting small domestic animals such as dogs, cats, birds, exotic pets, and others. Um, so look into it, everybody. Thanks, and thank you. You know, I actually got a really thoughtful UC Davis-related uh, Christmas gift myself this year. Oh, yes? Yeah, my brother-in-law uh, recently graduated from UC Davis with a degree in environmental sciences. Nice going. Uh, and uh, Davis, as you probably know, is in agriculture school uh, substantially, mm-hmm. uh, one of the better ag, ag schools uh, in California on the West Coast. Sure. Um, it, it features, among other things, a noted cow with a hole in the side that you can uh, reach into and touch the contents of its stomach. A living cow? A living cow with a hole in the side of it uh, that you can reach into the hole and touch what's inside the stomach so you can study the- how cows uh, digest things. The many stomachs. Yeah, uh, my my friend Mary Roach uh, has done this. She's put her arm through the side of a cow. Julia Julia has checked in to let us know that we've talked about this two times. Uh, on, uh, on the I'm going to talk about it a third podcast. time. <laughs> it's like one of the most important things in the world, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, I always thought that that cow was mythical. No, it's absolutely that- absolutely real. I, I, real. I always thought that was something that gran- that granddads told their grandsons about what they saw at the county fair once. But it's a real thing. It's a real cow at a real university. It is abundantly real. All too real, some would argue. Um, and But that's not what I got for Christmas. I, had I gotten a cow with a hole in the side of it, it would have truly been a remarkable uh, holiday gift, but also kind of a burdensome one, if I'm honest. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. once yeah. you've reached in that hole, then what do you got to do? You got well, to build yourself a little, your own little yeah. feedlot. That's a that's a gift that's mainly a problem. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, like it. By the way, like any snake, even whether or not it has a hole in it. <laughs> but there is, uh, even if no matter how great an idea it seems to fill up, to fill up your your spouse's stocking, Xmas stocking, 
with garter snakes, and it does make a lively writhing motion. <laughs> the next question is, what do I do with these snakes? But I interrupted you. Go on. So at the University of California at Davis, because it's uh, substantially an ag school, um, they have their own uh, meat and dairy processing facilities. Sure. And so uh, my brother-in-law, his, his housemate, uh, worked in the meat and cheese store on campus. And so I got uh, a freezer box filled with UC Davis meats and cheeses, including uh, <gasps> some uh, cheddar, cheddar jalapeno bratwursts, uh, some very nice hanger steaks. Wait a minute. Do the, does UC Davis have an appetizer department? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Soup to nuts. <laughs> You see, Davis. <laughs> well, I've been in their soup to nuts program. It's hard. I failed out. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, you're really just going to want to focus on soup or nuts. Yeah, I mean, there it, it's a it's an interesting question. A lot of a lot of people aspire to do both, but they but very few people can do both uh, uh, soup and nuts at an expert level. Uh, I got some uh, jalapeno jack cheese. Some. Ooh. Medium sharpness cheddar cheese, both of which were among the best I'd ever had. Um, and you know what? I thought, I thought, I being a, being kind of snobby, I got the sure. I got the sausages, and I thought, huh, jalapeno cheddar cheese sausages. Like, what is this? A gourmet sausage from 1982? Right. Um, but man, they are really good. <laughs> Who's the jerk? This guy, <laughs> because they are really good, really tasty sausages. <laughs> Well, let's let's just say that uh, that my mailbox has a sausage shaped hole in it. <laughs> let's not or say I should that. Say, that seems inappropriate to say. That's that's yeah. That's not good. Let's just say that like like some cows in the world, my stomach has a hole in it too, and it's <laughs> and it's shaped like a gift box from UC Davis. Well, this this is my favorite. This is my favorite university of the West Coast at this point now because not only do they. Not only do they have a top-flight soup-to-nuts program, uh, but also apparently a great uh, thoughtful gifts major. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's it's absolutely uh, a lovely school. I'm very grateful to uh, my brother-in-law, Dan, and all UC Davis Aggies uh, for uh, creating the wonderful comestibles that I've been enjoying the past few weeks. I'd like to go for. Do they have like a washed lettuces seminar? They probably do. Sure. You you know what? I feel like you don't even need. It doesn't even need to be a degree program. I mean, you could just no, go like and a, audit a few courses. A summer program for adult continuing education. Yeah, I'd love to. Do, I took a. I took my fair share of San Francisco State University continuing education classes uh, when I st still lived back in San Francisco. It was a very enjoyable thing to do and. And certainly, I would have loved if it had involved meats and cheeses more. I took my unfair share of them. <laughs> um, Sorry, it's all closed. John Hodgman took all the classes. <laughs> here's, a, here's a question from Elise. Yes. About 14 years ago, my parents gave me a drawing table as a high school graduation present. My mom tells me they bought it on sale for $160. It was a wonderful gift. I used it daily that summer and all subsequent summer and winter breaks. In 2005, I graduated from college and moved into a very small studio apartment. I left the table in the basement at my parents' house. I moved to Colorado in 2013, presumably from someplace other than Colorado. Sure. And the next year, my parents retired and moved to a small town near me. They a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> parents are stalking. They brought a few small items of mine and two larger items, uh, my drawing table and a unicycle. <laughs> I, oh boy! I didn't have room for the table. No mention of the unicycle. Yeah. So I told an artist friend she could use it until I did. She was thrilled, and I told my parents the plan. However, when my parents made the move, they installed the drawing table as a computer desk in their house and refused to return it until I will be the one using it. I don't want to go back on a promise to a friend. My dad insists that since he stored the table all this time, he now has rights to it. Judge John Hodgman, please help. Oh, retired dads, come on. Stop, stop, stop being weird, retired dads. Stop claiming rights to drawing tables. Stop following your children to Colorado and then refusing refusing to let go of their stuff. What? 
because retired dads are so weird and I say this knowing that I will, uh, I hope will become one eventually and plan to be the weirdest of them all. I have confidence. I really hope that this retired dad is so weird that he has kept a recording or at least a transcript of the conversation he had with retired mom over whether or not to bring the unicycle. Like the two things you could bring drawing table and unicycle. Like, that's so wonderfully random and bizarre. I guess she's probably going to need this unicycle. We should bring it with her to Colorado. Should we tell her we're moving next door to her? Don't worry. We'll surprise her. <laughs> By throwing this unicycle onto her porch and refusing to relinquish her drawing table. <laughs> um, Your parents are weird, Elise, but I can't say that they are wrong the fact is that if you wanted the table back, it sounds like your mom and dad would be happy to let you have the table back. But they don't want you to just give it away to one, some dumb friend that they don't even know. And from a parental point of view, I can feel them. They are feeling sad that you are a grown-up now, and they are expressing their anger at mortality by, by using your possessions as their own computer desks. And if you were to take a gift that you've already abandoned once, I know that you moved into a smaller place, but think, but you know, try to try to be empathetic here. They gave you this table, you used it, then you left them. They've sat around looking at that table empty, undrawn upon for years, realizing we have to move on with our lives. Maybe I'll learn how to use a computer. Let me buy this nine VHS cassette tape uh, informational course on how to use computers that was made in 1998 at a yard sale and watch it and get a computer. What am I going to use for the table? Yes, I'll use this old drawing table and start to make a new start with my life. I know. Let's try to move to Colorado as well so that we can be near our daughter who no longer wants to see or talk to us anymore. And then you call them and they're so happy. You call them and the phone rings on that on that table where your your mom or your dad is now learning how to use electronic bay auction uh, service to get rid of some old spoons or whatever. <laughs> so happy to hear from you. And you say to them, yeah, mom and dad, I need that drawing table back so I can give it to someone you've never met. Do you have so you get- old spoons burning a hole through your pocket? <laughs> Try www.ebay.com, the world's premier old spoon dispensary. Worried that you don't know how to use www.ebay.com? Don't worry. Buy Judge John Hodgman's 9 VHS tape instructional course on how to use Electronic Bay. So you understand the context in which your dad is weirding out here. He's saying, I don't want to give you this table so you can give it to some rando. So I have this advice to you. Relax. Let your friend... an artist friend. Let your artist friend dangle. She's got her own problems, or he does. But what if it's a boy? Is this potential spouse? Added wrinkles. This thing costs 160 bucks. You let your let your artist friend make their own way in the world. Let your dad use his computer table, or better yet, take your artist table back and buy him a computer table to be nice. And then draw things on that and make him feel good. Draw a thank you note. Draw a thank you note uh, that says, I love you, daddy. And then your father will weep and weep and weep with joy and happiness. And he'll stop throwing unicycles onto your porch. Give your friend the unicycle. That's what artists really want to be interesting. And unicycling is one way that Uninteresting people become interesting. Oh, I just commented on your life, Elise. In any case, yeah, parental gifts cannot be loaned out to artist friends. Sorry. I, I, take, I take parental prerogative there. And I hope, I hope you're all crying now, people who have parents and are nicer to them than you usually are. I forgot to call my dad on his birthday. That's why I'm talking, that's why I'm talking this way. My dad's birthday was on Monday, and I forgot to call him. So I'm a monster. Moving on. Uh, you know, I attended the University of California at Santa Cruz, which is a hotbed of unicyclery. Yeah. And um, if you think that uh, people who ride unicycles are doing it to make themselves seem interesting, 
Um, think about the people who learned to ride a unicycle, decided that was insufficiently interesting, then yeah. decided to upgrade to mountain unicycle. <gasps> which is where you unicycle with fat, knobby tires on a fat, trail. Fat, knobby tires, yeah. Have you seen those beach bicycles? <laughs> oh, the ones with the giant, the giant like balloon tires? Yeah, why isn't there a unicycle version of that? Yeah, that's a really good question. It would be perfect for Santa Cruz. <laughs> so that would be instantly become the official uh, mode of conveyance of Santa Cruz, should it come to exist. There's got to be a way to make a double-ended unicycle. Not a bicycle, but you understand what I'm saying. A wheel on both ends, and you somehow sit in the middle. And you've got one street, street legal wheel, and then you've got one beach wheel. And then you'd be the most interesting person in the world. Like there's a lever that switches between which, which wheel is in action? You just flip it over. And you're oh, in a little... Oh, top and bottom the wheels are. Yeah. I don't know how it would work exactly. Well, the seat swivels around. It's on like a fork, and it swivels around to the top. I, I, look, I look forward to any listener to this podcast who, who, who wants to invent something. This has become one of those like reality invention shows. If you, can, if you can do a drawing of how this would work, it has to be able to work. If you can do a drawing that is patent ready, I will pay whatever, whatever it costs to get that patent filed. <laughs> There's got to be some nominal fee, right? 50 bucks? You know, if it's just... If it's more than 50 bucks, forget it. My mom's first husband uh, is a patent attorney uh, yeah? who filed the patent for the football upright uh, with only one stake that goes into the ground, the Y-shaped one rather than the H-shaped one. Oh, okay. Um, very successful. Uh, yeah. I say we hire him. Yeah, but I can't, I can't do the drawings. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not a lease with a drawing table. Right. No. Somebody will do the drawings. All you have to do is the model. Oh, I'm good with like I got some Sculpey. You mean I do some? I do a modeling clay version of it. Exactly. And then you have to describe every part of it in only one sentence. If I can remember I make, correctly. Can I make the model out of Playmobil parts? Oh, I insist that you make it out of Playmobil parts. What else would you make it out of? I got a lot of those since my children don't use them anymore, and I'm dying. Hey, speaking of things that listeners could write in to us with, yeah. Uh, did you listen to Isothermal's remix or, I don't know, first mix of uh, Judge John Hodgman's Super Podcast? I did. Isn't it glorious? It sounded great. Should we listen to it now or at the end of this episode? Oh, we'll listen to it at the end. That's a tease. Yeah, that's a tease. We'll listen to Judge John Hodgman's Super Podcast theme uh, pie hole bootleg by isothermal at, at the end of the show. Uh, let's clear another case off the docket. Here's something from Chris. You got it. I'm a Brit, and my, get out. And my people wrong jurisdiction. <laughs> and my people love to cue. Yeah, he may be in the United States. You also love. You also love to use different words. That's true. <laughs> it seems to provide many people with a reason to get up in the morning. I think it's often dumb and irresponsible. Irresponsible. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I know what. First of all, <laughs> Dumb, those who don't know what we're talking about, strong, Q, but Q, Q spelled Q U E U E, just like it sounds, uh, means to line up, uh, to stand in line to receive national health care or something. Back when they had it in Britain. For those of you, Q means who are, to line up. For those of you who are Canadian, it means to uh, join a lineup. Is that true? Yeah, they call a line a lineup. It's a lineup, huh? Interesting. So many interesting differences. Okay, so anyway, this is what Chris has to say for himself. He thinks that But wait a minute, what about it is irresponsible? <laughs> Presumably we're going to get there because... All right. <sighs> yeah. He's really started off on the wrong foot with me anyway. I, I, think, I think you mean the wrong lorry. So I'm writing to you today to ask if I'm wrong about merging while driving. I found that if a road will merge two lanes, most drivers will merge as soon as possible, leaving the merging lane empty for a reasonable distance before the merge is actually required. This seems like wasted space and poor road usage. For example, Correct. there are roadworks near my office right now where traffic merges too early and pushes the cars into a lineup that blocks... Oh, he's Canadian now! <laughs> ...that blocks junctions and queues over traffic lights. 
Decide where decide where you're from. Yeah, good day, mate. Should I be doing my bit for Queen and Country? Is this guy trying to be some kind of weird self-parody? Did he? Like, yeah, I don't this? know that this guy. Did he yeah. write this? Write in a thing first, and then like, eh, this needs a little sprucing up. <laughs> How do I brit it up a little bit? I'm not sure he's from Britain. Yeah, I, I think he's a. I think he's a collegiate Monty Python fan. <laughs> I feel like his version of uh, Britishness, as yeah. evidenced in the text of this question, is roughly equivalent to Dick Van Dyke's Cockney accent in Mary Poppins. Indeed. He he doth protest too much. Should I be a- doing my bit for Queen and Country and joining these queues as soon as possible? Oh, Mary Poppins. I should. <laughs> Oh, doing a Dick Van Dyke voice is so fun. Okay. Uh, Should I join the queues as soon as possible so as not to annoy anyone? Or should I use the roads that God, or rather the local councils and highway agency, put there? Just because almost everyone does this doesn't mean I should copy them, right? Glad you slipped in a reference to a council. (laughs) Yeah. How come you couldn't figure in council flats? <laughs> right? Because you're watching Doctor Who. You hear these things. <laughs> they, you know, they make you sound English. Non-British collegiate Monty Python fan. Who I'm sure lives in Minnesota. And has never been in Britain in his life. But for all of your fraudulency, you are indeed correct. Well, correct in saying that this is stupid. If there, if you are merging, and, and and two lanes of traffic have to merge to one, it is a long-held belief, and I believe we've discussed this on the podcast before, but I'm going to mention it again because I've done a little bit more research. It's a long-held belief that good people merge over to the uh, active lane immediately, and only bad kids stay in the lane that's going to be eliminated to zoom ahead of the others. Because they think they are better than everyone else. Well, the reality is that from a functional point of view, traffic-wise, no one is better than anyone else. You're all terrible. (laughs) And everyone should be using every available piece of road in order to get to the merge point and then proceed to late merge, as it's called, or zipper merge. That is, everyone goes to the end. Uh, of the two lanes, and then they take turns going through into the single lane that is being merged into. I hope that I painted an appropriate word picture there, so you know what I'm talking about. This uh, I first read about this in a book called Traffic. We've, I think, discussed it on the podcast before. And you, fake British person who lives in Minnesota, should certainly know about it, because this is now the official policy of the Department of Transportation of Minnesota. And this is where I did my research and learned that... This reduces congestion at merges backups. It reduces backups by 40 to 50% for everyone to use all available road. And there's a big public campaign, which I think amounts to publishing a PDF on the web. The Department of of Transportation of Minnesota is using to educate people to say, no, 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 don't, don't. Everybody move over all at once, except for the bad kids. Spread it around. There should everyone use both lanes. And hate each other for different reasons. And if indeed you actually live in England and truly are a Brit, which I find highly suspect at this point, given the amount of cliches you've larded into your your posting, uh, you should uh, you would have an extra reason to do this because you will learn what it is like to drive uh, on the uh, on the right hand side of the road. And that's exciting, right? It'll be exciting for you to see what that's like. Um, don't do it if it's not legal, though. I mean, if you really are in, in England, go go to, go to your council, go to your council go to your flat. council lo- your council flat lodge. Queue up in order to to write a, a, a query down on a piece of foolscap saying, "Is it legal for me to do this or not, sir? May I have some more?" And then take a, a lorry to your next available Stonehenge. I don't know. I don't know what the procedure is over there. Find out if it's legal. 
but uh, it is certainly is not only is not merely legal in Minnesota; it is preferred, and uh, and I believe that it is it is uh, uh, going to become more and more preferred because it actually helps traffic move along. I know we had a whole conversation about how great that book Traffic is. It's such a great book. Tom Vanderbilt is the author. Traffic, Why We Drive the Way We Do and What It Says About Us. Yeah, great book. Yeah, really enjoyable do, book. Now, if that book that book has to be available as an audio book, right? So people can listen to it in traffic. <laughs> One would hope. <laughs> Little if, applied learning. If it isn't, there is no justice in the world. Um, and we know there's justice in the world because you're here, John. Here's, Thank you. Here's something from Sarah. I make dinner every night for my husband and our children. Most nights, the kids and I eat dinner at around 6.30 or 7. My husband will eat when he gets home from work, usually at 8.30 p.m. or later. I set his dinner aside for him every night. When he gets home, he eats it, but he insists on calling it leftovers. As in, I'm hungry. I guess I'll eat the leftovers. I maintain that what he's eating cannot accurately be described as leftovers, as leftovers are what is left over from a meal after everyone has had their fill. Leftovers are a happy accident. The meal my husband enjoys each night was intentionally made for him. It is his dinner. I seek an injunction to make him stop calling the meal I prepared for him his leftovers. Now, this was one that I was considering hearing in person between husband and wife on a regular episode of the podcast, but I decided uh, I didn't want to because I didn't want to hear this monster's voice. (laughs) This, This husband... Who comes home after his, at 8.30 at night after his wife has prepared meals for his children and fed them. And he comes home and he goes, I guess I'll have the leftovers. What is it you want, dude? You want her dressed up as Betty Draper serving you a cocktail and a hot plate of meatloaf at a TV tray with a glass of Schaefer beer? By the way, I, 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 just, I just buzz marketed Schaefer beer. And if they want to sponsor the podcast, that's fine. I like Schaefer. I like Schaefer because their logo, or rather their slogan has always been, Schaefer's the one when you're having more than one. <laughs> it's for the it intemperate op- drinker. <laughs> Which is a great slogan because it, it, hide, it hides nothing regarding the quality of the product. And it rhymes one with the word one. Same word. And it used to be made in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Now... So anyway, yeah, uh, you should. Uh, pre- uh, your your wa- Sarah's uh, definition of what leftovers are could not be uh, more accurate or succinct and forgiving of you, you terrible man. Don't refer to a meal that has been prepared for you and left for you because you can't get it together or work too hard or have obligations to come and eat dinner with your family as leftovers. It's demeaning to your wife, to the food to the plate, to any pets you have, and your children. Be nice. Here's something from Alex. My friend Logan and I frequently play in an online video game. It's an action game with role-playing game elements. In the game, players have the option to start a hardcore character, which, when the character is killed in the game, is deleted permanently and must be started over from the very beginning. Non-hardcore characters You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad. And I got one for my mother-in-law. And it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures 
from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up, seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. ...are simply teleported a short distance away and are docked gold for their poor life choices. Oh, they are, oh, they, they are charged gold. Yeah. They, they accrue gold coins, and when they respawn, they, get, they, they lose some money. Well, one presumes it's in coins. The virtual it could world. be uh, bars. Bars. Could be bars or jewelries. Yeah, certainly could be jewelry. I mean, it could be like some kind of like a, a foil or wiring... That's true. Leaf could be gold leaf. I would like to play an online video game where you accrue gold leaf. It's it's a game where you start out as a fresco artist and you eventually become a skilled leafsman. I would like to play an online video game where you you break into homes and and steal the copper wiring and pipes out of the homes. <laughs> copper thief. Oh, you know, Jesse, I may have told you once before about Ines and Yolanda, who were my great aunts. They have both since passed away. My grandmother's two sisters who lived across the street from her in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, together alone in a house. One of them was a widow. The other the, the other never married. And 
they uh, collected figurines and cats in a way that was that really made Grey Gardens really resonate for me. Mm-hmm. When I finally saw it, I loved them, Inus and Yolanda. And Inus and Yolanda, Inus in particular, became convinced that someone had stolen all the pipes out of the basement and replaced them with exact replicas that weren't as valuable. <laughs> and she would tell my dad this, and he'd have to go and look and go, no, I think they're the same pipes. She's like, nope, they're different. I know. And I realized someday I'm going to be my great aunt Inus, and I cannot wait. <laughs> wait. Um. Oh, anyway, was it? Were you still talking about these kids' dumb video game? Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean let's continue continue the case. Logan staunchly insists yeah. on playing as a hardcore character, is what I understand. Yes. So he thinks that the risk involved in death adds meaning to the game that otherwise would be missing, and it mm. also forces players to play more carefully. I believe that playing a hardcore character is just a chore that forces you to replay large sections of the game. It does not add any entertainment value. To compound the issue, hardcore and non-hardcore characters cannot, cannot be played together. That means Logan and I don't end up playing together very often. I think the point here is to actually play the game and have fun with your friends. So to that end, I seek in order to compel Logan to do two things. One, shut his pie hole. About, oh, wow. You're just going to go ahead oh. and use my catchphrase, huh, guy? Appropriation. Man. Well, you know what? You didn't you didn't draw it out and then d- build a model of it and describe it in one phrase and have it patented. That's a really good point. That's how that vodka got on board. I wouldn't mind seeing I wouldn't mind seeing technical drawings of a pie hole shutter that we could also patent along with the double the double ended uh, unicycle. Speaking of things that should sponsor this show, where is the sponsorship from Pie Hole Vodka? That seems like is there such a thing? Yes, there is such a thing, and they're not presently sponsors of this program. Just write them a letter, America. They're on the moxie list. What are you guys thinking? Let me tell you who's going to come through for us. I have a feeling. Who's that? And even if they don't, I bear them no ill will. I did a sh- I did a secret show for the holidays from uh, at, at a at a Masonic lodge. Um, and uh, we asked. The great American snack company, Utz, if they might throw us a couple of bags of chips. And they threw us hundreds of bags of chips. Now, I like Utz, family-owned company in Pennsylvania, servicing the, the Mid-Atlantic area, very popular, particularly in Baltimore, and to some degree in Philadelphia. Utz, they make the crab chip. They make Grandma Utz, which is fried in lard. They make these pretzels, the specials, right? But the best ones are the special darks. Oh, boy, those pretzels are good like us i like it a lot last ones to make real cheese balls after planters gave it up under pressure from the anti-cheese ball coalition Uts did me a real solid and i honestly love their products i love their logo i love that Uts girl i love taking the train into baltimore and seeing that ad where natty bow the national bohemian beer uh, uh mascot is proposing to the Uts girl uh, on a billboard that advertising a local jewelry shop. Love it. I love, uh, and I've never had a drink of Natty Bow, but you can sponsor us too if you want. You are now owe us a sponsorship. Uts. You owe us, Uts. That's their new motto. Uts, colon, we owe Hodgman. We, owe, we did Hodgman a favor and now we're paying for it. Okay, so the what? question okay, is, kids. Right. All right, should this kids. guy's friend be compelled not oh, to uh, be a hardcore character, um, and uh, also should he be compelled to uh, be quiet about uh, how much harder it is and more significant and important to play a hardcore how much, character? How much harder and core it is to be hardcore? You got it. So they can't play. So he can't play softcore and hardcore together. It's got to be they're both hardcore or they're both softcore. Exactly. Oh boy, what 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 fun it must be to be children who have nothing but time on their hands to play online action games with RPG elements, and not merely that, but then to fight over the hardness of the core over which they will play the game together. Don't you kids understand what's going on in this world? People are stealing pipes out of old people's homes and replacing them with exact replicas. And you want to argue about video games? 
Less valuable exact replicas. Less valuable exact replicas, yeah. Uh, but out of respect for your hobby, I will weigh in on this. Uh, your friend, uh, your friend's a creep. Anyone who says that you got to play this game more hardcore is maybe someone you don't want to play a game with. And I don't care whether that's an online action game with RPG elements or Monopoly. <laughs> Anyone who's like, no, you don't play this hardcore enough. You you not you don't play Scrabble hardcore enough because you're using the wrong dictionary. Like, you know what? It's a game. It's a game. Now, it may be, it's reasonable for your friend to feel that it's more fun for him to play it hardcore. Guess what? If it's online, I am imagining that it is a massive multiplayer online action-oriented RPG, right? Go play with some other hardcore creeps. Let's let softcore play with all the bronies and they can hang out together and, and make rainbows with their weapons or whatever. Point is, Alex, go play, go go tell your friend, uh, you know what? You, you If you want to play hardcore, that's fine. I'm going to play a different game. And remind him what it means to have friends IRL. So, Judge Hodgman, I, I thought we could end on a on a sort of a, a pleasant note. We had a lot of requests to follow up with the litigants from the case Wake Me Up Before You Go, Bro. Do you remember this oh, of one? Of course, Taryn and Declan, the brothers, one of whom uh, wouldn't ever wake up even if he tied a incredibly loud alarm clock to his head. Exactly. So Declan uh, was the little brother. He was basically being human alarm clock for Taryn, the older brother. Uh, Taryn was going away to college and he was going to have to rely on a real alarm clock to wake him up. And so now Taryn has finished his first semester as college, at college. He's home for winter break and we have them on the telephone with us. Uh, Declan, Taryn, how are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good. How are you? Doing very well. What's up, bros? Uh, not much. I uh, say, that's the only situation in which I would say that, because you are actually bros. Yeah. Yes, bros. Mm-hmm. Bros, to, bros to each other. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, uh, so, Taryn, older brother, say, my name is Taryn, so everyone can follow along. Uh, my name is Taryn. And younger brother Declan, say uh, your name. My name is Declan. All right. So, Taryn, you are back... From college, first semester, right? Yes, I am. And yep. uh, you're still on your winter break. Yep, until for like another two weeks. I have a long break. Now, where were you going to college again? Was it Emerson? Yeah. That's right, in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh-huh. How have you been enjoying it in Boston? Uh, I love it. I love where uh, it's right on the common, so it's really right in the middle of everything, so nothing's too far. Um, so... I really have access to everything the city has to offer. Now, do you ever take a, a walk down Newbury Street? Uh, no, but I do take lots of walks around the the common and the garden uh, at night. Well, you really, I like you really I like the Newbury danger. Street. Where did you go in Brookline? Uh, I only I only went uh, as far. I I, I didn't pay attention because I was just really craving Indian food, and the cheapest Indian place was in Brookline. Oh, where so, was it? Uh, I, 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 I could find it again, but I don't know okay. where in Brooklyn it was. Yeah. Let me, let, I, I, I don't know where there is to get good Indian food, but since I've been returning to Brookline as an adult, there's some things there that, uh, have not, uh, that were not there when I was a kid, including, uh, Michael's on Harvard street, which makes the best pastrami in the Boston area. And you should go there. Oh. Uh. Do you, do you like pastrami? I love pastrami. There you go. And you should go to the Coolidge Corner Movie House, now called Coolidge Corner Theater, and see a movie. And enjoy uh, the neon art that was done by Harry Friedman, the once and maybe still projectionist there, and my friend. So there you go. That's, those are my tips for when you go back for spring uh, semester. But now you're back at home. Where's home again? Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. Right, yep. that, that Atlanta. All right. The, yes, yes, the big Atlanta. And how did the waking up go while you were away? Uh, 
Great. I have the I uh, I got another sonic bomb. I've only overslept twice. I missed two classes the entire semester, which I think is is pretty good. That's about what my roommate missed too. I I uh, I got probably the only other person in the world who can sleep through that as my roommate. So we both overslept that day. Uh, why did you oversleep? I I think well I woke up both times with my alarm clock next to my head sure. like on the bed with on the bed with me right. so I think I I uh, I angrily smashed it or just unplugged it while I was sleeping oh so in your sleep you you grabbed it and strangled it to death yeah <laughs> yeah uh, so two two days uh, out of however many days in the semester that's pretty good I, I would yeah imagine, I'd say so I would, if, if if you are, what, what are you, 19, 18 years old? Uh, yeah, I turned 19 in December, so. Right. So you are, you are appropriately for your age, developmentally inclined to sleep until 3 p.m. in the afternoon anyway. Given that you yeah. stopped yourself from doing that most times, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good record, wouldn't you say, Declan? Yes, I would. I'm how, impressed. How have things been back in Atlanta? Have you been pining for your bro? I mean... Uh, are you talking to me or to Declan? Sorry, Declan. Uh, yes, I miss Taryn a lot, but I also, you know, am working on being me. Yeah, but like here without him. If I if I remember correctly, you uh, you are secretly an only child, even though you have an older brother. You have many <laughs> hobbies. You are a gastronome. He's, you are a chef. He's been making pastries. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I think you've been working on you for quite a while. Tell me about yeah. what what. What culinary delights have you whipped up in the absence of Taryn? Um, oh, well, in the absence of him? Yeah. Um, I've made a couple different, like, breads and such. And I've tri- but while he was here, I made um, a sfoliotel, which is, you know. A what? A, a sfoliotel. You, you built um, a hotel? <laughs> it. It's like it means little leaf in Italian. It's a pastry filled with, uh, like a ricotta. Oh, cannoli! No, it's, it's not. It's called a cannoli. It looks like no, a it's leaf. Not a cannoli. It looks like a croissant. It looks like a croissant oh, that right. is like coming apart. It's weird. It's delicious. It was though. good. He made it really well. A plus. Oh, listen to Joe College over there. Everything's grades now. <laughs> yeah. Letter grades. What are you studying again up there at Emerson? Writing for film and television. All right. Uh, and uh, have you have you completed your screenplay yet? Uh, no, I haven't started it. Can I suggest an action movie starring me? All right. And you can stop right there. Yeah. No, no. I I've already done I've already done some action sequences for Eugene Merman. You can look it up online if you look up Eugene Merman, John Hodgman. Punching a man in face with brick. If you <laughs> if you look that up, you'll see. So no, I'm already working on my action movie, but another action movie which can star me if you wish. I'm, I'll attach myself to it, but in which I don't have an I don't have a cool car or anything. I just have a double ended unicycle, not a bicycle, but a unicycle that has one wheel at each end, and I can flip it over for different terrain. And the ends are the top and bottom ends, not yeah, the, the top and the bottom. Ends. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You see uh, what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to picture that. Yeah, could yeah. work. It's gonna. It's definitely gonna work, and it's gonna. It's gonna make you a lot of money, and it's gonna make me a lot of money. Just remember, uh, have Hodgman rescue the cat. Rescue the cat. That's the secret. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> rescue the cat. <laughs> and and uh, and Declan, what? Your uh, uh, your waking up was never an issue there in Atlanta, right? You always woke up with the dawn. Yeah, he wakes up at like four thirty. Yeah, did did your Tai Chi started started stoking some azuki beans for for a, a little project for later or whatever? Oh wait, I did. I, I remember. <laughs> wait, wait, I made Mandu kimchi dumplings while he was gone, which I hadn't done before. I made the shells and everything. I forgot about that. Did you that. make the kimchi? Yeah, or no, not the kimchi. Sorry, oh. I'm sorry, I didn't make the kimchi. You know what? I didn't, Declan. You can't come. You cannot come on the podcast again <laughs> until until you have until you have fermented your own kimchi, and uh, and uh, and and that's going to be how you're going to. I'm just passing out livelihoods, you guys. 
Uh-huh. Declan, you're going to make your own kimchi. Declan's Southern style. Lip smacking Atlanta only child kimchi. Yeah. You have to know that the entire Brooklyn economy right now is being supported by people who aren't Korean but are making kimchi. Yeah. I'm just I'm... thinking of like Southern style kimchi being like smothered in pimento cheese and it's disgusting. Oh, hey, Declan, do you make pimento cheese? No. No. But not with a 10 foot pole. You don't care. I like pimento cheese. Ugh. Yeah, De- Declan, explain to the people at home what pimento cheese is. It is pimentos are like little pieces of pickled red pepper, right? Um, or bell pepper, um, and um, they're mixed in with different types of shredded cheese, and there's usually like a little cream cheese in there. Yeah, exactly, exactly that, and some mayonnaise too. It's a cheese salad. So, uh, but everything has worked out since you have followed my orders to the letter. What were my orders again? I don't remember. He's not supposed to say they worked. He wasn't supposed to have an alarm clock again, was the orders. He wasn't supposed to have an alarm clock again? No, you ordered us to break it. It worked. Let's just say it worked because everything's happy and fun. Yay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. 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 My reaction is like, okay, okay, don't, don't make loud noise. (laughs) <laughs> I can't I'm embarrassed that I don't remember the order Declan what was the order I'm pretty sure that it was just I wasn't supposed to I'm not supposed to try to wake him up even if he asked me to and um right uh also he didn't he, you wanted us to smash the alarm clock oh we, yeah yeah that was I just did. for my, that was only for my amusement yeah I remember that now if uh, uh if you go back, people who are listening, you can go back and what? Which episode was this, guys? One sixty-five. Wake Thank me you. up before oh. you go, bro. Oh, okay. <laughs> Had that one in the chamber. I didn't. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize that that I was talking to the Judge John Hodgman amateur indexer. <laughs> Maximumfun.org, dot uh, org. You can search for uh, Judge John Hodgman verdict number one hundred sixty-five. Wake me up before you go, bro. And you can uh, refamiliarize yourself uh, with uh, this case and my order, and maybe we all got it right or wrong. But you will also get to see a video of this horrible, horrible alarm clock called the Sound Bomb or whatever. That when I watched it in the during the podcast, it actually scared me, and I screamed a little. Uh, I, I almost it was it was almost like when Taryn clapped just then. I was like, ah, stop it! And then so I ordered them to smash it, and I also ordered Taryn. To start waking up on his own and Declan to stop enabling Taryn and so that he could get ready to go to college and be a fully functioning, uh, if if somewhat uh, lethargic, uh, uh, appropriately lethargic, uh, older teenager. And so he is. Declan, how old are you? Uh, Fifteen. Fifteen? Where are you going to go to college? Uh, a college. I don't know. I'm in ninth grade. Okay. I don't know. It's early. Come on. It's early to know. You wouldn't be a secret only child if you didn't have some idea. I really liked uh, Wesleyan when Taryn went there and Hampshire. I like those. Of course you like Do they even have cheese and bratwurst programs at those colleges? I doubt it. <laughs> they have. Sure. Yet. At Hampshire, have- you can major in whatever you want. You just make it up. Yeah. Like I think Eugene Merman did, if I remember correctly. He made, Didn't he do stand-up comedy? Yeah, he majored in stand-up comedy. Well, of course, where you choose to go to college doesn't matter at all, especially if you go to Hampshire. But what matters most is that you, is that you, uh, you engage with your passion and do work that is meaningful to you. So I wish you the best of luck, Declan, in making your pastries and in making your dumplings. And in making that Declan's own Atlanta-style Southern Only Child Kimchi. You make the kimchi, we'll make the t-shirt, and, uh, and, and you'll make kimchi money, and we'll make t-shirt money. And that's fair. Taryn, you have your orders. <laughs> you have your orders from me to, to, to write an action screenplay involving an action star who has a double-ended unicycle. And, on the uh, top and the bottom. Right? Of- only, only one wheel makes contact with the road at a time. Though. Yeah, that's why it's a unicycle and not a... Okay. Not a bicycle. You understand? It's a I mean? unicycle with a spare tire. Yeah, exactly. Like you got it. You okay. got it. But, but it's for different terrains. Do you know what I mean? Right. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. One of them's like a tank tread tire. Michael, I guess Michael's Deli in Brookline has actually been there since 1977. Uh, although I just, in Coolidge Corner, I just never went there. I, I, I order you to go there and, and have a pastrami sandwich and, 
and sneak it into the Coolidge Corner movie theater. And when they say, you can't bring a pastrami sandwich in here to watch the movie, you just say, John Hodgman told me to, and he used to work here. So suck it. And then you'll be kicked out. And then you'll, okay. and that'll, that'll teach you something, I have a feeling. Great talking to both of you guys. Go on with your lives and, and get back to me when you've fermented some kimchi. All right. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Good luck, guys. All right. Thanks. Thank you. You know, my father... Uh, my father's father worked in the theater business. He worked for Fox Theaters here in Southern California. Um, and he uh, eventually uh, achieved a high enough uh, a ranking in the company that w- upon his retirement, he was presented with a permanent golden ticket uh, for Fox Theaters uh, that applied to him and his family. Ooh. And did he sing? Did he sing? I've got a golden ticket during the movie. He was he was not a singer. Okay, um, but uh, I I inherited this golden ticket uh, when my grandfather passed away, and because I because oh. I was the only member of the family then living in Southern California, and I went to the theater with the golden ticket, and not only did they not let me in, uh, they uh, Fox theaters are now I believe Lowe's theaters, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not only did they not let me in, uh, but the person at the counter pulled out a binder. And in this binder, it was sort of like a baseball card binder, only mm-hmm. in it, instead of baseball cards, it was sort of a scrapbook of golden tickets that they do not accept. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, well, is this, does this come up so often that you've put together a collection of all of the all of the indefinite promises that you no longer honor. Was the scrapbook of golden like was it a, a scrapbook of golden tickets that were like an example of every golden ticket they'd issued so they could compare your golden ticket and say nope we don't accept it anymore or was it every time a child came in with one of these old things they would go I'll be taking that and I'll keep it in my book of anger. <laughs> no, what it was was. It was a spite book, right? It was a spite book of reclaimed tickets. I can only imagine that they reclaimed them after refusing people entrance into the movie theater. Because apparently, uh, when your company changes names, you forfeit all responsibility to honor past employees of the company and their families. No, and you, you, instead you inherit a, 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 an obligation, apparently, to dishonor them by embarrassing their children. It was there was literally like 30 different gold like I could imagine that there even was 30 different ones but just on hand they had this binder with paste and this these tickets they're metal these are like they weren't real gold obviously but oh I thought they were real gold I was going to say it, but they're a, a hunk of metal and yeah. yeah they they like looked through it they found the one that was exactly the same in design as mine and pointed to it as though that explained everything like, they docked. Sorry, they sir, docked this you. This is in the fu uh, binder. Yeah, they docked you gold because you weren't playing hardcore. <laughs> oh, I'm weaving it all back together and putting it into a cow's stomach, and I think that wraps it up. Hey, we'll see everybody at SF Sketchfest. Judge John Hodgen by this point is probably completely sold out. I mean, it was fast approaching sold out. Uh, uh, last I checked, uh, I will say yeah. I will be performing the day after our Judge John Hodgman show in the afternoon at Cobb's Comedy Club. Uh, that's February 7th. Uh, we will have the great Irish comedian. Yeah. So I hope we'll see everybody there. Oh, Jesse. I love that Cobb's Comedy and I love SF Sketchfest. If any of you want to come and see other great things, you should. It's uh, what's the website again, Jesse? SFSketchfest.com. It's a wonderful, wonderful festival of comedy in North America, in the Bay Area of North America. And that, as far as I um, know, is all. Is that correct, Jesse? You're absolutely correct. Our producer is Julia Smith, editor Mark McConville. Oh, guess what? We've got one thing to take us out. Featuring the sterling vocals performed without any pitch originally intended uh, by myself. And the great Judge John Hodgman. It's Judge John Hodgman Super Podcast. Chambers are closed. Judge John Hodgman. 
podcast. Judge John Hodgman, Super Podcast. Judge John Hodgman, Super Podcast. Judge John Hodgman, Super Podcast. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.